looking for a happy place, you have found it. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings. I'm J.R. Houston, your host for the podcast dedicated to bringing you to your peak happiness through powerful, positive psychology, relatable stories, and maybe even some fun along the way as well. We're glad you're tuned in wherever you are in the world, however you may be listening. We are also glad to welcome along our partners, Live Happy Magazine, our parent company with a new issue out and available for you to digest. It's available in uh, fine news stores, newsstands, bookstores, whatever you want to call them. And, of course, you can find it in the uh, iTunes Store and on Google Play as well. We also want to thank our partner, Life Reimagined, their website, lifereimagined.org slash happy. They've got all sorts of resources and techniques and uh, processes for you to go through that are going to help you reach that peak happiness that we care so much about here at Live Happy. And you can do that by going on their website, lifereimagined.org slash happy. Awaken to the power of happiness and awaken your dreams. What's next? LifeReimagined.org slash happy. We are very excited to welcome back Tom Rath as our guest today. He's a best-selling author, researcher, who studied the role of human behavior in business, health, and well-being. And we've got Deborah Heitz, our editorial director, COO, and co-founder with us. We're going to talk with Tom Deborah about his most recent work, a feature-length documentary film called Fully Charged. We kind of teased this last time we talked with him. And it explores the key elements of energizing one's work and life through personal stories and interviews with the world's leading social scientists. Welcome, Tom. So happy to have you on the podcast today. Uh, you've been uh, on the podcast before, and re- we really appreciate uh, you coming back. Uh, it's always a joy to get to talk to you about what you've got going on. Yeah. Um, I just saw the uh, new documentary, Fully Charged. Uh, it was really exciting to me. It, it talked about a lot of the stuff that we talk about here at Live Happy, and our uh, listeners, I'm sure, would love to hear a little more about it. So uh, can you give us a brief overview of what it's about? Sure. You know, it's it's uh, fun to talk to you again. I appreciate you having me back on. It's uh, all these years, I've kind of been a student of well-being and a lot of experts in the field of positive psychology and behavioral health and the like. And um, it's been such fun learning for me, but I haven't really seen a lot of this uh, pulled together, especially in more of a, a video format that uh, can hopefully uh, help a lot more people to understand uh, about the implications of some of the great work that a lot of uh, scientists and thinkers are doing today. So. Uh, I've obviously got a background in nonfiction and business books, and most recently I've spent most of my time on well-being. But the more I uh, stepped back with my team and looked at what are the ways that people want to learn today and what are the uh, places people are going to learn, I mean, you see just an incredible emergence of um, everything from podcasts to audiobooks, and in particular, uh, videos and documentaries uh, really seem to be resonating with people. And so it, it worked out quite well for us time-wise that a, a CNN producer uh, found us a couple of years ago who'd done a lot of work on uh, the Sanjay Gupta program for CNN Health and done several documentaries with CNN. And he was eager to do a documentary around these Eat, Move, Sleep, and Are You Fully Charged books that we've been working on. And um, the more we started talking about it, I was kind of a, like a kid in a candy store putting together a list of here who I think are some of the world's best experts on social networks and well-being and all these topics. And in addition to that, we were able to find some really interesting characters that kind of walk, that go through the documentary with us um, that I hope will um, get a lot of these important messages out to a, a new audience here. So the documentary really focuses on three 
three things. And, you know, you say eat, move, sleep, but that's really a component of one of them, which is a, comprises the first part of the documentary, which is really on energy. But what, mm-hmm. what are the other two? And can you tell, tell us how those three things work together to bring, um, bring happiness or well-being into people's lives? Yeah, as you mentioned, the first one's about energy, and all of the work that I've studied, and uh, Brian Wansink, who's written Mindless Eating and uh, done a lot of great research on this topic, is one of the key characters in that section. I think that helps people to step back and say, how can I create an environment around me in terms of the foods that are sitting out, the people I'm around, and so forth, that allows me to have the energy I need to be my best today. And so many of us, especially the most giving and well-intended people in the fabric of our society, we're so quick to put everyone else's needs in front of our own that we're just not, we don't have the energy we need to be effective for other people in the afternoons and evenings. So that's the first element is how do you do those three things of eating, moving, sleeping well in tandem to have the energy you need to be your best each day. The second element is about ensuring you have far more positive than negative interactions. As I'm sure many of your listeners know, that one negative interaction profoundly outweighs a positive. So we need to make sure that at least 80% of those interactions are far more positive than negative. And uh, you hear from everyone from uh, Nicholas Christakis, who's done amazing work on kind of how social networks and well-being and obesity and smoking spread all the way out to second and third degree, friends of friends of friends, to uh, one of my favorite characters in the new documentary is a guy uh, in South Central Los Angeles. His name is Ron Finley, and he calls himself a gorilla gardener because he just goes around planting beautiful flowers and medians and on strips of land in these parts of uh, Los Angeles where other people are not doing that. And he's even uh, gotten in trouble with the city and with law enforcement and had an arrest warrant issued because he's going around planting things where they don't think he should be trying to beautify the place. And to hear him describe the way he does that, so someone who's on a uh, light rail train in the morning going by his place just has a little moment and says, oh, that's a beautiful sunflower, instead of dwelling on how little they're looking forward to going to work or whatever, helps to bring those interactions to life a little bit. And then the third element is all about the importance of focusing more on creating meaning and doing things for other people versus focusing inward and trying to make yourself happy throughout the day. And uh, that features a lot of the great new research from uh, Amy Vresnevsky, who has been a, a luminary in the field of positive psychology and helping people to see how we really need to find those daily internal motivators that help us to do our best meaningful work instead of looking to the external carrots and sticks and focusing on ourselves when we think about well-being. You know, Tom, a lot of people uh, are going to be seeing this and they're going to be reading a lot of the things that, that you've written. And, and a phrase that jumped out at me or that that I was reminded of as I was listening it is, is the old uh, sort of almost a joke that says, well, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Meaning, how do you tackle a big task by by taking the small steps? And I think achieving that lifelong happiness is something you think can be done by doing uh, the small things. Is that correct? Uh, making it a daily uh, goal, correct? Yeah, that's been my uh, biggest takeaway from all the research I've conducted, I think, is that um, happiness for ourselves and doing meaningful things for other people is the product of what we do today and what we do tomorrow. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. There's so much good research coming out in the last two years on this topic where um, 
when you really look at where people are having great days today, it, it's not the richest countries in the world, and it's not the wealthiest people in the fabric, fabric of our society today. It's where people are having great social interactions all the time, and they've got a lot of physical energy, and they're doing work that they enjoy today on a daily basis. And so that's probably been the most important learning for me is instead of worrying about, you know, will you be happier a year from now, if you just take a few small steps in the next few hours, that eventually accumulates and gets you there over time if you don't worry about the longer term focus of it as much. One of the things you say in the movie, Tom, and I actually heard you say this at a talk you gave this summer, um, which I find, and it relates to interaction, uh, which I find extremely profound in today's society, is um, you say that one of the hardest things to do over the next 10 years might be simply paying attention to the person who's in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, For me, that's exceptionally meaningful in the days of devices and phones and, and, and you know people always trying to get their point across, almost making interaction a debate or a purely digital format. Um, what, how do you see people being able to overcome the distraction to be able to truly interact with someone? Well, you know, that's a, it's a great question because some of it starts, it's kind of like sleep where sleep sounds overwhelming, but it starts with simple things like turning your thermostat down and blocking electrical light and some real tactical stuff. And I, I, I'd say the same thing applies to focusing your attention on the people in the room that matter most where, you know, a, a majority of smartphones today come with uh, functions that allow you to say, I don't want to be disturbed right now. And um, we can set the defaults with our devices and our phones and everything else so that if we're having a meaningful conversation with someone uh, who looks to us for leadership at work, or if I'm sitting across the dinner table asking my six-year-old daughter what the highlight of her day at school was, there's almost nothing that should break into my listening to her response unless it's an absolute emergency. But yet the default for so many people is to have something ding, to have something flash, to have something, television on the background, whatever it might be. And even though we might not think of it as being rude or damaging the relationship at the moment, there's there's some good research uh, emerging in recent months showing that, you know, even if I take my phone, I've been more conscious of this since I read this, if I take my smartphone and it's powered off and I set it on the table while I'm in a meeting with three other people and it doesn't ding, it doesn't vibrate, it doesn't make any flashes or noises, that still sends a message to the other three people at the table that I care a lot less about what they're saying. And it damages the quality of the conversation for all four people. So it's gotten so bad that uh, smartphones have become metaphors for this matters more than you. And I do think we've kind of got a responsibility to say um, outside of just extreme emergencies that need to break through, how do we set the defaults on our devices so that we're paying attention to other people? I mean, it's, it's rare in this day and age that we make a choice to be in a room having a conversation with another human being. And so when you're going to do that, you got to make it count. As we uh, take a look, and we're getting more and more excited as, as it comes closer to this documentary, Fully Charged, there's a lot of personal, relatable stories. What about you, though? What are your favorite things to do to personally energize your work and, and your life? You know, the, uh, there's a clip in the in the movie. I think probably because I mentioned this to the uh, executive producer that what really gets me charged early in the day is when I 
get to well, my daughter's uh, just started first grade, and when my wife and I and uh, my daughter and her brother who's four, when we all get to walk to school and back, it's about a mile each way, um, as a family, that's one of the best ways to get my day off to a really good start. And then if I can get some time where I don't have my email open and some real focus work done early in the day, that allows me to do some of that stuff that's easier and being responsive uh, later on in the day. And, you know, the on more of a tactical level, uh, one of the things that's just changed my life and energy as much as uh, anything in the last five years is realizing that I've got to be moving around throughout the day just for the sake of my own health and energy today where when I'm in my office where I have a treadmill that I've been using for three years in a row to type for 80% of the day, when I'm on my treadmill workstation throughout the day, I'm I'm just a lot much better parent in the evenings with two kids that age too. I've got more energy and I feel a lot better about how the day has gone in comparison to days when uh, I have to sit on a plane for five hours or I'm stuck in meetings where it's not socially acceptable to be standing up. So I think we've got to find ways to build a default into meetings and conferences and everything where people are just getting up and down and moving around a lot more. You don't have to have a treadmill desk or go over the top. It just starts with little things of standing up every 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, I, I, one of the most interesting facts is very much that I saw in, in Fully Charged was one of the uh, earlier facts that was presented, which basically says that getting up and working out in the morning, if that's all you do, that doesn't necessarily change your health. It's throughout the day movement. You know, I'm I, I'm going to take it a little bit further. The more I've looked at this and thought about it, and that I I think a lot of the messaging, not by intent, but I think a lot of the messaging about everybody needs five or six days of intense cardiovascular activity for 30 minutes a day over the last 20 years might have done a little more harm than good in some cases because. All this research makes it clear that if you just do that 30 minutes and then you go sit in a chair for 8 or 10 hours, you're probably worse off. So I think the first priority should be building these little bursts of activity in throughout the day. And then if you can do that, which is a much easier assignment for 80% of us, then worry about the real intense exercise and lifting weights and some of the stuff that is quite a bit more intimidating. But it's, it starts with something as simple as going for a walk. I, I'm sure a lot of the, your uh, listeners will identify with this, but when you go out for a walk with a friend or your spouse or a colleague, it elevates the conversation. I, I, mean, I, I almost never get in arguments or heated debates when I'm out for a walk on a nice day with friends. You compare that to when you're really uncomfortable, hunched over in a chair, and it's just a different type of thinking, too. I think one of the really great things about Fully Charged is the fact that it's a very accessible uh, thought process. You know, a lot of people will come up with this great idea or they'll do the research and they'll write a book and then they'll promote it for a while and then it's just kind of out there. But you've taken this Fully Charged thing and really spread it into... Uh, a vast series for people to take part in. I mean, you've got this this movie, you've got a book, you've got a kid's book, you've got an e-course. I mean, how could we use all of these, we being the, the general populace, use these to maximize uh, our life and work? You know, I appreciate you asking that question because I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years just thinking about um, what are the best ways to give people as many tools and resources as possible to build some of this great research from psychologists and economists and experts into 
the culture of their family and their home and into the culture of their organization. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, leaders and managers in particular in organizations can say, let's, let's take some of this, these ideas and materials that are out there in the public domain and build this into the way we work and the expectations of the uh, organizations and the work teams that we put together. I think um, a lot of people are quick to discount organizations and businesses on these topics. But when I step back and look at some of the biggest social and economic problems our society's faced over the last 50 years, um, you go from smoking to recycling, environmental concerns, we, we essentially fixed those one social network at a time. And it was one office, it was one floor, it was one building, and kind of went out to the whole campus where you got smoking off the campus. And then you have entire states and countries with a whole curve shifting. And so I'm really optimistic about if we can get even a few leaders inside organizations, whether that's a faith-based group, a community group, or a business, who are passionate about people having better lives and being healthier because of they're part of that organization, that we can create pretty uh, big-time social change over the next decade. And and with the kids' book, you can even take it into the schools and start people uh, on this path uh, much younger. You know, that's been probably the, the kids... I, I did a kid's book uh, maybe 10 years ago around How Full Is Your Bucket, the first book I worked on. We did an illustrated kid's version that's now now outsells the business hardcover and has really <laughs> caught on in schools across the country. And um, I, when I look back at what's really changing conversations at the right time in life, I'm, I probably feel as good about my efforts on that book as I do about any other project I've been a part of because I think a lot of these real basic concepts, as you mentioned, I, I want things to be as simple as possible for as many people as possible, and I work hard to boil it down to that. And if that can start a conversation among kids who are uh, seven or eight years old that carries forward and uh, puts them in a different place by the time they get to college and the work world, that's, I think it's probably the best place for all of us to start. I wanted to ask you about something that you covered in the movie, and, and, and Liv Happy's written an article about this, and I read an article about it in Time just a I think about three weeks ago, um, which is the pursuit of happiness as a goal. Um, you know, we're talking about building lifelong habits and building a, a life of meaning and, 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 and a life where you've got positive relationships and you've got lots of energy. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of readers kind of mistake the title of happy as, oh, we want you to be happy all the time or, oh, happiness is the ultimate goal. And there's really been what we're calling is a backlash to happiness. And, and you, you discovered a little bit of this in, in your research. And would you just share with our listeners a little bit about, um, you know, how happiness as a goal is maybe not the right direction? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's an important distinction there where if if an individual is almost entirely focused on pursuing a state of happiness for himself or herself, that's where the evidence that I've looked at would suggest it, it often backfires and can sometimes lead things in the opposite direction because it's so inward focused. So if, if in turn, I mean, if, even if I had a friend, the simplest way to put it, if I had a friend who was really struggling and I wanted my friend to be happier and to get out of that place, the, the last thing I would recommend is that he spend a bunch of time trying to make himself happy. It's anything that you can encourage someone to do or that you can do that's about contributing to a greater good or being a part of something bigger than yourself, those are the things 
that I have observed and studied are far more likely to produce meaningful and lasting happiness, not only for yourself, which can be a secondary concern, but for the people around you and for your communities and for others. So um, it's, I, I think a part of it, what you mentioned is that when people talk about happiness, sometimes it automatically gets associated with happiness for self instead of happiness for loved ones and friends and colleagues and others. And my take is that if your focus is on creating a lot of happiness for everyone else, it's a really good thing to do. Yeah, it'll come back to you in some way, yeah. Right. If you don't yeah, if you don't put your own happiness as kind of the locus and center of everything, it's the same thing that I learned when studying uh, all the work that I've been a part of on strengths and human talents where um you know, there's there's that saying out there about oh just uh, pursue your passion and you hear that all the time and it sounds real good on the surface, but that also would assume that your passion is kind of the center of what your community needs and the world needs and everything revolves around it. And unfortunately, that's not how it works when people are trying to figure out their careers. And so we, we've got to help people to start with how do you contribute to something bigger around you because that's what is essentially more sustainable because of the needs of our societies and communities and friends. You know, there are so many things in this film, um, uh, this documentary, Fully Charged, that I think is tremendously wonderful information, a lot of stuff for people to take away I don't um, know if we can even scratch the surface in yeah. the time we have allotted here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have. I just have so many more questions I'd like to ask. But let me ask you, what do you hope uh, our listeners gain when they get a chance to watch the film? What do you hope the, what do you hope the film um, communicates to the, to the viewers? I hope they're inspired to do a few, even one, two, three uh, really practical things or just Make make a few small tweaks to their days um, that give them a little bit more energy at the end of the day. You know, there's there's this kind of conventional wisdom that people are way too quick to accept, in my opinion, that, you know, we kind of go to work and we get through it and then we get to go home. I, I think we should find a way where people can show up for whatever they do, whether that's raising children or managing a corporate entity, they should be able to show up in the morning and leave at the end of the day with more energy and healthier and with higher well-being than when they showed up that morning. I, I know it's possible from some of the data that I've looked at, but um, I, I would hope that people can make some changes so that that's possible on a daily basis. Well, Tom, I know we're very excited about this film, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, but we want to know when and how and where can we can we see Fully Charged? Yeah, we've got a, a, the world premiere set up uh, here in D.C. with a lot of the cast showing up soon, um, and that's November 16th. And on the 16th, the uh, movie will be available for rental and download at tomrat.org or uh, fullychargedmovie.com. And sometime in the next uh, few weeks this uh, in November, it should also be available through the uh, major outlets such as Amazon, Vimeo, and uh, iTunes. Tom, we love what you do here at Live Happy. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you uh, how excited I was to, uh, to see the movie. It just it, it promotes so much of what we talk about here at Live Happy. So thank you very much for taking the time to share it with us today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. And it is always great to catch up with Tom Rath. And if you'd like a free excerpt of Tom's book, Are You Fully Charged? And for extras from the film Fully Charged, livehappynow.com 
is the place to go. And while you're perusing the internet, do us a favor, will you? Will you let us know what you took away from this podcast? Or maybe even let us know things that you'd like to hear about on this podcast that you think would be beneficial for folks just like you who are tuning in. Well, you can find us on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, on Instagram by searching MyLiveHappy, or send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. We would so love to hear from you. For Tom Rath, for Deborah Heiss, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long and thank you, and remember to always live happy.